Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one, which is actually episode two. Um, we recorded episode zero last week, and that was kind of our test episode of Library Access, a Keyforge podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by thekeyforge.com, the number one Keyforge fan site on the internet. Um, I figured we should jump right into it. Um, it's been a week since we last gathered. Uh, we've had a week to buy more decks and test them out and trade and sell and get mad about it and study it and all that. Um, with that being said, how 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 has your Keyforge progress been? Have, have you been going to tournaments? Have you been playing with friends? Have you Has your opinion changed on it since last week? Um, any, anything along those lines? Anyone want to jump right in? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, so kind of all of the above, been playing multiple events, um, playing with uh, one of my friends quite a bit. He's the kind of the guy who we both jumped in at the same time, so we do a lot of just opening decks and playing together. Uh, went to a couple of reversal events, and then I just a sealed event on Tuesday. And I'm still loving the game. Um, I feel like every time I play in these events or with different decks, it's something new, something to explore. And the, uh, the reversal format has... Per- proved interesting um not perfect necessarily but it's definitely an interesting alternative to archon stuff um yeah looking forward to see what you know what comes in the near future with our local events because we're doing everything we can to keep uh keep things going and recruiting new people so mm-hmm. so it sounds like you've been pretty busy with it um with the exception of your reversal events do you tend to stick to a single deck or do you switch it up or i guess it would depend if it were you're playing sealed or something like that but assuming you're not do you have kind of a deck that you've landed on that you like well that's <laughs> and that's kind of the issue like i have a couple decks i like um like actually my i got have my have my list here with me so if people that are listening are interested in pulling any, any of them up so like the first deck i opened from um like the first launch event so my first or free pre-launch event it was my first ever deck was Cho of Brown Burn. Um, and it is, it's untamed shadows disc and um, it has three moon curses in it. So it's like death touch first strike, basically poison and skirmish on all three of those guys. And they steal every time they fight. It's pretty powerful, but it was a pretty fun one, pretty controlly. And uh, that was, it was actually pretty decent. And since it was my first deck kind of have a bit of attachment to it. And another deck was one I traded for from a friend called, Killian Creepinghurst Hooligan, which is a Mars heavy deck. Um, I don't know what the other two houses were in that one. Oh, uh, Untamed and Dis as well. And it's got some decent creatures, so it can build boards, especially with Mars. It's actually one of the few Mars decks I have that have a really good creature board um, as well as some control. Then it also has some Untamed control options, or not control, but um, uh, Amber Rush options like Key Charge and uh, Dust Pixie with Nature's Call. So it has some combos in it as well as some heavy hitting Mars. And I've played that one a, a, quite a bit. I played it in one, our Archon event we had once. But a, a, otherwise, it's been a whole bunch of new decks. And it's kind of been the issue. Me and my friend, we went through a, a box each, basically opening a deck, playing it, and then swapping sides or swapping decks and playing the other ones. So most of my decks have only been played once or twice. And that's that's a whole other issue. But it's still fun. Um but right now, we're, me and him are both trying to kind of go back and play some of the other decks and kind of dig through what we have, see what we enjoy, what we think is actually strong, and to have prepared for any upcoming events. Uh, what about you guys? What have you been up to uh, the past week in, in the Keyforge world? And same question goes to you, if you guys kind of tend to stick to a single deck or if you've you know, been busy testing all sorts of them out. 
Yeah, I've been playing um, all kinds of different decks. Um, I've got probably about 15 now. And of course, I have my two or three favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, me and a buddy here locally are are the ones kind of leading the community um, where we are. And so we've got together um, probably half a dozen times and, and just played all kinds of different decks. Um, I, there's probably three three or so that, that I've kind of played the most and uh, jumped on Crucible and um, tested with them a significant amount as well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've probably played every single one of my decks at least once. Um, but it usually comes down to whenever I feel like I want to really you know dominate or or just really get used to a few of my decks uh there's been probably you know like i said two or three that i've really enjoyed um the main one i guess has been uh called marco immortal leather benedictus um it's got on the disc so it's a disc logos shadows deck um on the disc side it's actually pretty uh, creature heavy so there's Charette, uh, two Ember Imps, which can really be annoying. Uh, Snudge, Toxin um, are in there as well. So lots of like uh, creatures that kind of disrupt what you're doing, which is obviously is, is, is what this does. Um, but the kind of uh, centerpiece of the disc cards is Overlord Grecking, um, which is a lot of fun. Um, so he's a seven uh, power creature. And his text is, after an enemy creature is destroyed, fighting Overlord Grecking. Put that creature into play under your control um so basically with you know him being seven power unless they have a way to get rid of him right away um there's been scenarios where i've you know taken over my opponents um you know two or three of my opponent's creatures in fact last night my friend was over he was playing a, a fagin with i think three or four urchins deck um and i managed i don't have any even though i have shadows in my deck I don't have any urchins in my deck, uh, but I was able to take his Fagin over. He didn't quite have any answers to remove um, any of my uh, creatures on the board, like any any board wipes or anything, anything like that. And he had urchins on the board, and the text on Fagin says, um, remove or take take an urchin back to your hand, or you can take an urchin back to your hand from play. So I was actually able to steal his urchins using his Fagin. Um, which was <laughs> really fun. Um, so it's kind of silly the the fun things that can happen in this game when you you know don't expect it at all, right? I had no idea that that was even uh, a combo. Yeah, and then so the logos is probably the highlight. I mean, there's shadows is in this deck too, and shadows does what it does. Um, it's just got a lot of that stealing and 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 characters that steal, and and there's nothing too exciting on the shadow side. But it's really the logo side of this deck that shines. So it's got two Dr. Escateras, which is, um, sorry, it's got, I'll start that over. It's got a Doc Bookton, which is Reap Draw Card. It's got three Ganymede Archivists, which is Reap Archive a Card, and three Mothers. So, and it's also got a Library of Babel um, and a Chaos Portal. So the Chaos Portal and Library of Babel are both artifacts that allow you to um, use potentially use cards off the top of your deck. Um, and then those six creatures, the three archivists and the three mothers are all characters that, um, or creatures that will let you, um, draw or archive. So 
basically the bottom line is that this this logos package lets lets you fly through your deck and find all the answers that you need when you need them. So if if those um logos creatures um get out of hand and get out on the board, um it's really, really tough for your opponent to kind of keep up. I have a rule question. Uh if you have two mother out at the same time, uh do you refill your hand to two additional cards? That's right. Okay. Yeah, so when I've got two, like, it's just fun to be play an entire game with, you know, seven to nine extra cards in your hand. And, like, Mother is a five-power creature, so she's not that easy to just wipe off the board. Right, sure. Sounds like a an interesting deck to play, maybe not so interesting to play again. <laughs> well, interesting maybe, but frustrating. Uh, Jack, what about you? Yeah, yeah, I've... I really love this game. I feel like, especially after listening to you guys describe the certain decks that you have and the playstyles that you like to uh, take on with them, I have to say, I, I love this game because every deck has its own personality. Mm-hmm. Even if it's got the same combination of houses, if it has a different set of cards, it's just, it plays differently. It'll play board, it could play control, it could do all sorts yep. of different things than the very next deck that is the same house. So a lot of people are like, oh, I opened three packs in a row and they were all Brabnar, Mars, and Dis. And it's like, okay, but each one plays totally differently, I'm sure. And, you know, for me personally, my channel uh, wouldn't be called Thievery Forge if I didn't like to steal Ember. (laughs) So I love Shadows. I love this. And surprisingly, what I find to be the best house with them is Sanctum. So my my favorite deck right now is a combination of that three. And it relies on a lot of theft from Shadows, of course. But on the this side, we have capture cards. So uh, things like Sharets, um, Drumble, not Drumble. Yeah, I think uh, Drumble. And on Sanctum, a lot of capture. So for me, for my play style, what I like to do is steal as much as possible and make sure you don't forge at all. If you try to get the six, I'm going to, I just want to take you down one because you don't, you don't need to worry about your opponent having zero. You just have to worry about them not having six to forge that key. So if you can keep pushing them off and delaying them turn by turn and try and, and get a little bit here and a little bit there, you could essentially out uh, outpace them, and no matter what they put on the board, it's not going to matter. And with my favorite deck now, I found that a lot of times, if my opponent is playing slow in the beginning, I have to play slow, be- otherwise I have nothing to steal. <laughs> so that could be a slight drawback, but I, I love this game. It's every Every deck is unique, and just... Your player skill is drawn out more so than what you have in your hand. It's how you put the combinations together. I think that that's really highlighted in Keyforge versus any other card game. Speaking of which, that's a nice segue into our next topic. Um, Coming from other card games, assuming you've played other card games in the past, um, or even if not, what have been the hardest parts of Keyforge to get used to? Um, Whether it be just a a brand new rule or a rule that's, you know, differs from something that's deeply ingrained from magic or something like that or Hearthstone. So I don't have too much to add on this topic. Um, 
because I, I didn't find too much hard to get used to, but I've played a lot of FFG card games and they tend to use some similar mechanics. Um, and the whole reverse of your turn where you draw at the end of your turn, untap at the end of your turn, was kind of similar to the Warhammer Champions card game I was playing for a while, um, where it was kind of reversed. The Really, the things I've had the hardest time with is just kind of remembering certain keywords that aren't really bolded out like taunt. Like I, I don't know how many times I and other players have missed taunt on a card because it doesn't really stand out. Same with elusive for that matter, because people will attack something like, oh, I'm going to kill that, and I take damage. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, it, it's, so it's just that, and that's really more of a uh, text templating issue than anything else. Um, but I think having played so many other card games in my past, breaking into this system really wasn't that bad, but I've seen a lot of people uh, especially from Magic, because this game's actually pulling in a logic, a lot of Magic players, which a lot of the other LCGs or FFG card games didn't really do as much. They have a big issue of not drawing at the beginning of their turn, not untapping at the beginning of their turn, and even just thinking combat is all about, or the game's all about combat, rather, and getting creatures on the board and attacking things is what you need to be doing, which is the opposite, typically, of what you need to be doing. So, not so bad for myself, but I've seen a lot of other people having that issue. Yeah, I'll echo that. Like, I, I found at least in the very beginning, um, obviously not so much anymore. After you get, you know, a dozen or so games into you, you kind of get used to these things. But um, I found that uh, you feel like, like, unless you have a bunch of creatures on the board and and they don't, or you're killing all their creatures, it didn't feel like you were winning. Um, it felt like the board presence was, you know, whether or not you were winning. And um, especially with my main deck that I've been playing, um, it doesn't have a huge board presence. It has a ton of steel, a ton of amber control, and a ton of cards that just generate amber. Um, it's got two ghostly hands. It's got a, a treasure map. It's got two dust pixies, um, you know, hunting witch with a bunch of untamed creatures. It just has a ton of ways to, like, generate amber. Um, but it doesn't have a really big board presence. And I found that like I was winning all my games, but I f like during the game, it felt like I was losing the entire time because I'd never had a really good board presence. Meanwhile, my opponent has, you know, eight creatures on the board, um, but I've got two keys forged. <laughs> so it's like really the amber and the forging of keys is the, is the main thing that we have to be concerned about. And that's kind of a thing that depending on what games you're coming from, is the opposite of what you're used to. Um, the other thing that I found was a little bit different to get used to was the fact that there's no um, there's no resource, there's no cost to play any of these cards. Um, so I'm I've been mainly a Destiny Star Wars Destiny player for the last couple of years, and um, you know when evaluating cards and deciding what cards to play, it's always like checking how much you know resources you have, and and when you're evaluating a card, whether or not it's worth the amount of resources you'd have to pay, et cetera. Um, so that's been kind of a, a little bit of a weird thing getting used to. It's just like, if you have the card, you're playing that house, you can just play it straight up. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. Um, especially cause I don't, I don't have a lot of card game experience. Uh, I played Yu-Gi-Oh a long time ago when I was young. And then I played, uh, a little bit of magic super casually. I, I guess I didn't even play magic. I, I learned magic. Um, and then I played lots of Hearthstone. And just like you said, just trying to still, like still to this day, trying to talk myself out of 
thinking, you know, it's a, the, the board control kind of thing. Just having to have creatures on the board, having to to be fighting constantly, having to, you know, hope my my opponent has less than me. Uh, especially, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about my deck, um, uh, and I don't need to, but. A, a big part of it, it, it has a couple combos in there oh. that rely on my opponent having a considerable number of uh, creatures more than I do. Name drop I get, it. You know, I either, yeah, uh, it's Librarian Heifetz. Um, good luck spelling that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right. It's it, it's a fun one. You know, play with it on Crucible a little bit. It's not great. It's just, it's kind of what's been getting my attention right now. Um, I went and you know, bought a box and I have... I, I bought like 10 decks one one day and about every two days I'll pull a new one out and sleeve it and play around with it. So I've still got like five or six uh, at my office just kind of waiting to be played with. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, it's it's taken a lot of like rewiring my brain to stop me from just this blind kind of board control, throw creatures down, attack with them, this and that, um, especially because my deck kind of rewards me for having an empty board um and using you know using actions and things like that to to get amber into steel and you know things like that so that's definitely st- you know taking some getting used to and it's going to continue to take some getting used to i think that might be partially why the the horse the four horsemen decks kind of jumped out as being this like incredible force in the game which i think we're all realizing is not the case I mean, of course they can be really good um but you know, early when everybody has the mindset of, you know, having more creatures and controlling the board equals winning. Um, you know, early in the game, that was the mindset for a lot of people. But as we're starting to realize that that, that doesn't necessarily win you the game, um, the, 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 the price of these, you know, four horsemen deck and the realization that they're not just this, you know, godlike combination, um, is not necessarily the case so that's been kind of interesting to see the very quick rise and 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 short fall of the four horsemen decks and prices that's interesting yeah i i hadn't considered that that just it might be you know we as a collective didn't know how to play keyforge yet and because of that you know it it, it you know take that find you know find a way to magically convert that deck into a magic deck and you might succeed <laughs> but it you know, it just, it doesn't work so much with how, you know, how we're learning to play Keyforge. Yeah, but I I like that. That's what I like about Keyforge. It's so different from any other game that I've played. And I've, I've played the big three, which is, you know, Pokemon, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! And it, it feels all the same. It's go out, go buy the best card, uh, go online and see what the best deck is for the card meta, and you know, spend all your money on these specific cards to put your put your arrangement the way somebody else on the internet told you, so you can go and and do what is I, I essentially call as a, a disp- it's it's like a one of those pie contests, right? Like here is my best pie. You know, you're you're putting your best card out there, and and you're hoping that that card that you spent more on a better card than your opponent in front of you. Well, and plot twist, you know, the guy you're playing against, he brought the exact same fucking pie. <laughs> right? <laughs> and yeah, and and it's it's it with Keyforge it's different. It's a balancing act. It's a rush and a marathon to get those keys, but at the same time it's like you're rushing your opponent and he can kind of elbow you to make you stumble for a bit so he gets the lead and then you can kind of you know, it's like Mario Kart. It's like the Mario Kart of trading card games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to put it. That I mean, that makes sense because that's kind of the appeal of the game is the sort of simplicity and and quick pace of it. You know, with that Mario Kart reference, it like there's a this is kind of like back and forth, and then all of a sudden, wham, bam, something really big happens. Um, but it, and it's not like overly complex like some other car games are out there, or super expensive either, for that matter, to kind of push out some of the people who want to play competitively but can't really afford to do so. Um, oh, and when I want on your comment you were making about um, like having to figure out how to how to play these decks, especially coming from other car games, I think that's part of the issue with all these posts we see on Facebook with "Hey, check out my deck. How should I play it? Is it any good?" It's like you, even though it feels redundant for us all to constantly keep saying, "Hey, you just got to play it yourself." It's really true because you can't evaluate these this deck or this game, especially this early on with prior card game knowledge nearly as easily. And also there are certain interactions you're not going to catch until you just drop it on the table and play it. It means nothing until you do that. Sure. Sure. Well, and I think a lot of times those people are, you know, they're super new to card games and they, you know, they, they probably suffer from the same thing I do. And it's that I can't recognize a meta. Like I, I just cannot do it. And that's why I didn't do well playing, you know, magic or anything like that. Like I, I just, I lack whatever people have in their brain that lets them, just look at a deck list and immediately recognize combos and build their deck around it and just know what's going to work. Like I can't do that yet. And I'm hoping with how young Keyforge is, you know, 350 cards that I'll be able to learn every one of those cards and just be one of those like savants that can see a, you know, card art from across the table and know, yeah, oh, I know exactly what that is. I know it's power. I know all this. Um, but I think what these people maybe are asking for and, you know, when they say, you know, Hey, how's my deck? How does it look? Are maybe like I, identifying combos you know, maybe they're hoping somebody will say, you know, like, oh, this and this, you know, in conjunction with each other will work well. But, you know, kind of like you said, there's there's some stuff you, you know, that you just won't, you know, the the person asking or, you know, the people kind of rating it and suggesting how it can be played. They're not going to recognize some of these big, grand, strange combos that, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be seen until they actually made it to the board. So. I don't know. I, I don't hate anyone for asking. Like it's, you know, I see it's the same post a couple dozen times a day. And like, I, I'm sure a lot of people get irritated with it, but I just see it as somebody, you know, trying to learn and having fun. So I won't rag on them. I just, I know I kind of, like you said, there's no real good answer to it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm not, um, I'm <laughs> proposing any sort of hate towards them, but, uh, but I'm just saying like, from, I guess from experience having, from my, I guess playing all these games, going through whole boxes or going to events, like you can look at a list. I I will pick out some key cards, like when I did reversal, especially. I I give my opponent a deck that I have an idea of how it's supposed to work, and then I they give me a deck that I had never played before. So I pick out a few key cards, like all right, I'm got, guess I'm going for this. But then I play the game. It's like oh, well this actually works this way, and or I could do this, and that's what's so amazing about the game is, is the combo play or the card interactions that you oftentimes will not catch until you start playing and it's really interesting right and i don't know how that equates to kind of you know learning cards and studying and being able to recognize combos but i feel like that's even even more so true in whatever direction when it comes to like a sealed event when you you know you get that deck and you're opening it for the first time so you know you're you know either it'd be i guess it'd be handy to have developed the ability to recognize little combos and stuff like that but you know it's it's not it's not. I guess it's not necessary to to be that that crazy Keyforge genius that can look at that deck list and know exactly how to play it because you're going to be pretty equally matched with your opponent who's also opening their deck for the first time and that's you know, kind of piggyback off what 
the, the recurring theme this episode is that you know that's why Keyforge I feel like is so interesting and unique because it's you know it's uh, doing something that other card games haven't really done. I guess you can do whatever a draft and magic and stuff like that, but that still that rely I couldn't do a draft because it relies so heavily on just recognizing a meta and like knowing how to how to build your deck, like, you know, one card at a time. Like I, whatever it was called on Hearthstone, uh, they had a similar game mode like that. And I just, I failed at it every time because I can't see, you know, I can't see into the future with cards like that. So. Yeah, I think at very best you're, if you want to be like generally good at this game and being able to go into a sealed event and and do well consistently is that you'd have to just get really familiar with not necessarily each card in every house, but the general functionality of each house. So what is each house more or less trying to do? And what is each house more or less, uh, what are their strengths and weaknesses, right? So if you look at a deck and you see that it's got Mars Untamed Shadows, you can get an idea just by the houses of what they're probably going to be able to do and how to approach the game. So I think if you have a general knowledge of that, like, you know, it's a, probably a good starting point if you want to be a person who's able to um, go into any game mode or any sealed event and be good, consistent in this game. Yeah, I, I just wanted to mention, just because we're on the topic of sealed, I, it's very interesting with this game. I only discovered Keyforge in November, a couple of days actually before the release of the game. and. That was a few days after the release of the latest Pokemon set. And I was telling my fiance, I was saying to her, I want, I want to play a card game. Because it had been a while since I had actually played a real face-to-face card game. I was playing Pokemon online just you know, to get the urge out of the way. And you know, I wanted to get back into something. And I was telling her, I was saying, Sealed, uh, I, I, I like how when they release a new expansion set, they have a tournament style, I guess, organized play where it's all sealed and everybody's drafting like, you know, back in the day with magic. And I, I was saying to her, I wish there was a game where it felt like that, where because I don't I don't want to go into the game with somebody who already pre-selected the best cards. I want to go into it where we're all trying to test our wits by seeing, you know, what can we pull off given the limited resources of cards that we have. And then three days later, four days later, I found out about Keyforge. <laughs> a few people I've talked to who said they stopped playing Magic and started playing this. Like that, that was like they were, they couldn't keep up with certain events or the cost of the formats or whatever it was. And they tried this out and then they just basically dropped Magic. Now, that's not to say they won't go back after a while, but I think it's really interesting to, to hear people saying, oh, yeah, I just dropped playing the game I, I'd normally play. Because there are formats I prefer this game always is, or it's more cost efficient, or whatever. And it's really cool to see people kind of coming over from the trading card games, which is kind of the purpose of this game, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how, you know, where Keyforge kind of ends up, you know, in the in the in the rankings. I don't know how you describe it, but you know, among the other guys, if it'll where where it'll find its footing. Um, because I was kind of worried for a while that you know, maybe especially magic players would look at Keyforge like a you know, like a, a baby version of a card game. Just, you know, you can't you can't build your decks, you know, the cards are very simple. They don't have these big, crazy, elaborate, you know, effects that require giant rule books to, you know, to find rulings on. Like I, I was worried it was kinda gonna get shunned and get a bad name like that. And it seems like 
you know, by and large, I really haven't heard anyone complain about it. You know, granted, I haven't been anywhere that somebody would have complained, but you know, I haven't heard magic people shunning or anyone for that matter, kind of shunning the game, talking about how it, it doesn't work, anything like that. And granted, I've been in these echo chambers of, you know, the Keyforge subreddit or the Keyforge Facebook group or the Discord or whatever. So I'm not around, you know, just your kind of average players. I'm only around the fans, but it seems like it's had uh, an overwhelmingly positive response. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's like a handful of handful of comments I hear here every now and then, but nothing major. It's like, you know, one out of every 20 people complain. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll just, you know, move on. As long as we have enough people to keep the game going. Sure. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see where it ends up, you know, how it competes if it, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I expect it to compete with magic, you know, he, head on. And, but I, I could be totally wrong. I, I would love for that to be the case. I'd love for it to be a real serious card game. And then I can, I can feel justified in investing all my time and effort into and, you know, really like knowing that this hot fun hobby I have is not eventually going to go to waste or it's not, you know, uh, not going to waste, but it won't be for nothing. You know, the game's not going to fizzle out soon. And I certainly don't think it's going to fizzle out. So I'm happy about that. Like I can pretty confidently say that I'm not a market analysis or anything like that, but it's, it's safe to say that this game is sticking around people, you know, it can't stay on the shelves, but where it'll, where it'll land as far as you know like how uh you know lgs will support it things like that if it'll if it'll get decent events you know like i and i guess the reason i'm i'm so on the fence and curious about it is because uh, the game store i go to um the past two events have been pretty awful the first event i went to which i think was their first one six people showed up which wasn't bad um the second one i went to um I guess I've only been to two. And the second one I went to, me and another guy showed up. And that was it. And I, I kind of I reamed my store. Um, I've been pestering him. I've been really obnoxious to him because they're not doing the events right. They, If you set up an event on Facebook, uh, you can set it up as a recurring event. Uh, but if it's a recurring event, it like doesn't even pop up in the event list. So I And I realized this because I was checking to see if the event was at 7 or 7.30. And I went to the page and uh, it didn't even pop up. Uh, all their, you know, their magic events, Pokemon events, stuff like that did. But so I, you know, I, I've kind of gone at them a couple of times like, hey, fix this, fix this. Because, you know, e- everyone benefits if you spend five extra minutes and, and make an event for each each week. Yeah. You know, you you make sales, you bring people out there, you spread the name, you know, it, it, it just it works for everybody. Literally everybody benefits from it. But um, at their store, they've got, you know, I guess to bring it back around to my point was. They've got a whiteboard with their events and it's like five days out of the week. They've got different magic events, you know, for different formats, stuff like that. And then, you know, one night for Dragon Ball Super, one night for uh, Keyforge, stuff like that. But I'm curious, you know, if it'll start to compete, if there'll be two Keyforge nights or, you know, things like that, if it'll if it'll kind of gain that footing. But only time will tell. All we can do is do what it seems like, like almost everyone in the community is doing just like going out there and so aggressively promoting the game, you know, as much as they can, it seems like everyone recognizes they kind of have to be the foot soldiers and spread it for it to succeed. And that's been a really interesting kind of aspect of it to watch just the kind of the community coming together to like really just, you know, shout it from the rooftops and trying to do anything they can to, to keep it alive. Yeah. And I'm really pissed off at the local game stores right now, because honestly, this is the perfect opportunity for Keyforge. It's coming at a time when there's a, a mass exodus of magic players because of Wizards of the Coast shooting itself in its own foot. 
with this ridiculous notion of like $20 ultimate masters packs or $600 boosters. Uh, it, you know, we are, it's a prime market. Keyforge is ready to take in players who are looking for a new home. But these, you know, all these players that are coming from Magic, they're not just casual. They're going to be looking for a lot of play action. They're used to Friday Night Magic being a guaranteed event that they go to every Friday. They, they're used to events all the time. If there's no events, then they're going to get bored. They're not going to play this game. It's not going to look competitive to them at all. And, uh, I've noticed that local game stores have been dropping the ball. Either they're not going to get on Keyforge, even though it doesn't cost them anything to organize play and not just, you know, they don't have to get the product. They just do the play. Or when they're doing the organized play, they're running it terribly, as you had mentioned before. You know, some of these local game stores are going to potentially stifle play and make it not fun and useless for people because they're right now they're doing casual. Some of these, uh, and I only have three local game stores, by the way, in New York City that are running organized play, and it's only every other week. Now, there is a good handful of people that show up, about 15 to 20 people at all the stores. That's great. But some of the stores are doing weird things where they're charging like $14 for Archon and, you know, handing out instead of, you know, handing out the recommended one pack of tokens per person, they're splitting that up amongst eight people and, and really limiting the rewards. It's like you cannot do that. You cannot raise the price and you cannot limit the amount of promos because then nobody wants to come. Nobody wants to come. Nobody wants to play. Nobody wants to play. Nobody's going to buy the game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in terms of like how this game gets played. Um, because super early in, in the game right now, um, having only you know had the game out for, let's say, a few weeks, um, I feel like it could it could be a game that facilitates every level of play really, really well from you know casual buy a deck and play at your kitchen table with some friends um to sealed events that are again i mean if it's sealed it's a little bit more on the casual side to you know the adaptive play formats where it's probably the the closest the most balanced um game format um i think it was team covenant that was saying that on one of their um live streams and how it feels like the probably the most balanced game type that exists <laughs> um and t- tough to disagree with them um you know to ffg's actually organized play and like whether they do regionals and nationals and worlds and which will probably be archon format i feel like the game is set up to accommodate all of those formats really really well and they're situated to kind of take advantage of those things probably more than any other card game that's ever existed. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how well they do in terms of taking advantage of that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good point. Actually, um, a good idea to like to lead that into uh, something I would love, love to talk about is the whole formats that this game does allow and what those formats mean and how they uh, appeal to different players because I've had a chance to play a few different ones myself and like, like I've actually, I watched uh, team covenant pretty regularly myself and the adaptive format is absolutely brilliant as far as the most skill-based format that exists for the game, especially in its current state. Um, but like all, all of the formats explain 
explain adaptive format for those who don't know. Uh, adaptive is a best of three format, and each person will bring their one deck that they want to play. Um, you'll play one game, then you'll swap decks and play a second game. If the same person wins twice, meaning they won with both decks, they win the match. If the same deck wins twice, meaning each player won one game, they go to a third uh, round and they bid chains on who gets to play that the winning deck. So it tests not only your ability to play your deck that you brought, it tests your ability to evaluate your opponent's deck and be able to play it once you swap and be able to find those combos and other card interactions, as well as figuring out how to counter your own deck. And then if you happen to go to the third round, it tests your ability to evaluate the deck on a level, like for the bid um, bidding for chains, like how how much could you really go down on cards to make that deck work if it's even worth it? Plus there's the, the whole skill of bidding and maybe um, bluffing your opponent on a bid or all, you know, that's a whole other level. But there's so much to that. And it also it's the only format or one of the only formats that balances out decks. Like I could bring a, the absolutely worst deck and you bring the absolutely best deck. And um, and then we swap regardless. <laughs> and if one happens to win both and is that bad, bad, we just go crazy bidding chains on it and kind of balances it out, which is, I think, an interesting way to play the game. This is a total game changer. If they make this adaptive format as a fi- as an official format for their pro tournaments, total game changer for the for the card game industry by far. Because now you're not only thinking about what deck you're going to play, but you're worried that your opponent is going to play your deck. Yep. <laughs> like, can they play it better than you? <laughs> yeah, you can't go too OP because even if they can't play, you know, if they if their skill base is worse than you and your cards are so good. They're gonna screw you over. So it it yeah, it's it's such a cool Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And that's and that's what's so cool about this game is you have that one format and it's really changes it up. But then if you just fall right back to Sealed and Archon, just the the baseline formats, it's a completely different game right there. Like with Archon, it's just play your deck to the best ability to counter your opponent's deck to the best of, of, of your ability. Um and then with sealed, being able to evaluate your deck on the fly to play against a complete unknown, and that's just that's just three different formats right there that we're talking about, and all going to be playing played very differently. Um, and and really, it only costs you ten bucks to do any of these and do them forever, <laughs> just about, <laughs> which is amazing. And we're not even t- and then no, excuse me, we're not even talking about the other formats that are out there. Um, like I've done reversal twice at the one store. Once they ran a product and they wanted to keep doing events, they've done reversal. Um, and reversal's fun. What is reversal? Okay, so reversal is you bring a deck and you swap it with your opponent. It's just a best of one. So the idea is you bring your worst deck, um, obviously, because your opponent has to play what the deck that you bring, and they have you know, and you win with their deck is the, is the goal. So generally speaking, you want to bring your worst deck. So it tests a player's ability to evaluate a deck again on the fly. Um, and you have to do this every round too. So it's not like I just have to do it once. It's each round I get a new deck. And I got to figure out how to play it immediately. So that's a brilliant system there and really interesting. But there is a negative that I've come to find after doing this twice. Because we're playing lower powered decks, generally speaking, you see less um, overall board control, like less board wipes, less amber control. Um, I mean, this is typically, I'm sure there's some. Um, other bad decks out there that have a bit more of those things, but a lot of the ones I've seen have a lot less of that. So because of that, um, interacting with the opponent's Amber becomes a little bit more 
complicated or harder to do. Um, creature heavy decks, or just even if not super heavy on creatures, just even on the, in about mid range, they tend to stick. Excuse me, stick more, and combat becomes a bit more prevalent or a bit more important as a way to control the game rather than in your other other more powerful formats. Um, with another issue we had, <laughs> just this happened recently. A person only owned two decks, and they we were playing reversal, so they just had to use one of their decks, and their deck actually wasn't a bad, bad deck. So that kind of they're kind of forced to have to give somebody a good deck because that's all they owned at the moment, which that's you know, that wouldn't typically be the case, but that is an issue with some formats. If you don't own a certain number of decks or whatever, you could be at a restriction there compared to other people. So there's a, you know, a few negatives. As, as fun as the format has been to try to explore a deck as well as evaluate decks on the fly or even bring your worst deck. Trying to find your worst deck is quite difficult. Like the one I played last week, I'm going to just drop it here, called Natural Natural Peter of the Goalie, but Peter is spelled P-J-E-T-U-R. Um, Natural Peter of the Goalie. It's Bromnar Sanctum Untamed. The Bromnar has two loot the bodies, so it's very it's, it's in a lot of other cards that make it really fight focused, but it only has two creatures in it. A headhunter and a war drummer, which is really bad. Um like but the combo in the deck, or one of the things you're trying to do with it, it has a card called Sound the Horns that lets you dig your deck for a um, a Brobnar creature. So you're likely just to cycle your entire deck with that card, which is what one of my opponents did. And it, it, the Untamed of this deck is actually quite good because um, it has key charge and some other really good creatures. And I, I wouldn't really want to let my opponent play this type of deck, but I felt like it had enough disadvantages that I could play around its positives. Um, this actually was a friend of decks of mine. Um, a friend friend's deck excuse me um but uh but yeah like digging through your collection to find an actually bad deck that's going to be hard to play is quite difficult so it, it makes that format interesting but it's not a perfect format and you have to change it up because it's one of those things i think will just like just pure archon without an organized play system in place could get stale after a while when you can see a lot of the same things i guess yeah, I could see myself going and playing with some bad decks in the format like that after I've been so used to the speed and the overpoweredness, I suppose, of the uh, regular formats. I think that the other card games that we've mentioned before, like Magic and Pokemon, because of their inherent flaws, are so polarizing that a lot of the people who are going to pick this up for casual play are probably going to like this game because because they because they could play a format that that highlights bad decks, yeah. You know? So it doesn't really matter. The cards don't matter. It's it's the player. It's having fun. Well, yeah. I mean, it'd be hard to to do a reversal format in a lot of these collectible card games because you'd have to add a whole bunch of restrictions on deck building. Because obviously, in Magic, it's like all right, sixty lands. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> but in this game, you don't have to have any more restrictions. You just say bring a deck, and that's it. Done. <laughs> do you guys have a favorite format? Adaptive. If it's for talking about just pure pure skill as well as having the opportunity to try to figure out the puzzle of your deck and your opponent's deck at the same time yeah the competitive the competitive side of me says um adaptive so that you can you know bring your i think i still think there's uh not a deck building but uh, a you know a skill in selecting the right deck if you're going to a turn an adaptive tournament you could bring a deck that you have a lot of practice with that is not simple to play 
you could look through your decks, get really good at a deck that um, is maybe not very straightforward, but is still really good if you know how to play it. So your familiarity with your deck, um, and and it, especially if it's still a really strong deck, um, because when it comes to bidding chains, um, if you're bidding for your deck, I think you're at a slight advantage because um, if you win with you, even with chains, you're more familiar with that better deck, the deck that you, that that both players want to play. With. And then if you lose the bidding, that your opponent will be playing with a deck that they're not as familiar with, and that may be a little bit trickier to play. Um, so there's still that side of things in terms of like evaluating decks. You you know you talked about that a few minutes ago and. Um, deck choice and evaluating decks and all that is still going to play a major factor factor in the even in the adaptive format. Um, so yeah, the competitive side of me still says adaptive format. The casual fun side of me says, you know, if I really just want to go out and have a good time, I think sealed is probably going to be the most fun format. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to go with the up. Well, not the opposite, but I, I wanted to say that. I do agree with the notions on adaptive, but I think that sealed being what inspired Richard Garfield originally and being so up to the, I guess up to luck and up to the mercy of the RNG gods. I I think that sealed probably has adaptive by a bit of an edge because you could get totally shafted in sealed. And if you can overcome that, disadvantage that's really the where the crazy skill lies and i i think that the the power balance is not going to be as noticeable in adaptive versus sealed interesting because i still think that the i still think there's a there's a strong possibility and maybe maybe more often than not this won't happen more often than not you go out there you play sealed and the best player will most likely end up at the top table maybe not win, but the best few players will probably end up stop, right? Um, but there's always going to be situations where that one stupid deck shows up and just destroys house and, and just kills everything regardless of that player's skill. Um, so I think that's probably the one negative side of sealed, um, but that's probably the case in any game, right? You, you play sealed and you happen to draft or you happen to pull um, a decent combination or whatever and and there's always the possibility that you know the players that are you know not maybe not quite as skilled as others end up winning and i guess that's probably the beauty of sealed at the same time because an average player can show up and still has the possibility of winning like that what's better than that for to attract people and get people to come in and play this game right yeah i could definitely agree with the negative point that you brought up with sealed that uh an unskilled player could end up with a fantastic deck. But then again, I mean, they could buy a fantastic deck and go to adaptive with it. And that's not even necessarily a negative. Like why not? Why, why is it a bad thing that an average player can show up and win an event? Like that's, that's great. Is it not? Oh, sorry. I don't mean negative isn't bad. I, I, as a contradiction to sealed being better than adaptive. I mean, yeah. I think that's what it comes down to is, what do you want out of Keyforge or at least out of the events that you're attending? Because each of these events are going to have very different appeals. Like I really enjoy sealed as well, but if 
like if I want that sort of brand new discovery experience and maybe chaos, sealed is perfect for it. But if I want something a bit more co- like a hard level competitive, putting our skills to the deepest test, I think there could be some issues with sealed with some of the the decks that you can open. As sure, being able to play a, a brand new deck will test skills for sure. But I think there's definitely some large variance between some of the decks that are out there. Like I've seen some absolutely bizarre or bonkers decks as far as power level variance. Um, or and also, I think certain houses maybe, or certain cards maybe easier to play, or certain combinations maybe easier to play, which can then, I guess, helps. Um, like I don't know, I guess that helps anybody be able to be able to use the deck. Um, so I'm not sure if that's really for or against the point of skilled players doing better or worse. You know, I guess I guess as again, what are you wanting out of the event? Because in, in the case of Seal, as you were saying, that maybe a, an average player could win because they pulled a, pulled a great deck. And if that's what you want, or if you don't mind that, then that's absolutely fine. But if you're going to say a high level tournament, sealed wouldn't be the format for you because you're relying maybe a bit more on variance of the deck generation than you are on the skills of the players. You know what? In the end, you get a whole bunch of choices, and I think that's the best thing about Q4. To any, you get what you want out of it. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's absolutely. a little for everybody. Yeah, yeah that's why I, why I think I've been loving it so much because of all these options. And then I can pull other people in it because when I'm telling about the game, it's like, oh, this is how you play the game. And here's the normal way you play it. But hey, you could also do reversal and we could just bring our worst deck. And Because people usually question when I say, well, you know, can't customize your deck, so you could just get a bad deck. They question that as soon as you say that. So I immediately follow up with, well, there's also a format for you where you can bring your worst deck and see how like much your opponent can can deal with it or how you know trying to play against it or whatever and it's really funny because in the, the couple of reversal formats i went to this last one especially when my opponent draws their opening hand and they're like oh my gosh how do i use this this is unbelievable and then the whole game they're sitting there staring at their hand trying to make the pieces work and it's it's really cool just to watch them trying to solve that puzzle that you've given them <laughs> it's really entertaining yeah i'd have to say my my favorite so far would be sealed um I don't know. I just like the idea of not getting stopped because it's it's not it's it's nowhere near as bad as you know Magic or Yu Gi Oh. Um, Yu Gi Oh is especially bad with it because they've never rotated anything out. Where you know it's the person with the biggest you know, the biggest wallet, you know, the deepest wallet that has usually has the best deck. You know, they went out and they ponied up the money for the best cards, and they've you know they've they've just you know thrown everything they can at it to to be able to beat you. And it's it's not quite that way um, with KeyForge, but it can be to an extent. You know, there are there are some decks, you know, as much as everyone might like to pretend it's not the case, there are some decks that are objectively better than others. Um, and there's, there's you know, that that stands true, you know, to, to an, a kind of extreme side of it where you you can find a deck that is better than most. And just you know, the card, it just has better synergy or however you describe it. it. It works together better. It's more productive, things like that. Um, so it's, I, I like the idea of Sealed because it, it really does, like, it eliminates everything I don't like about card games, which is people, you know, throwing a bunch of money at it and buying the best deck. Um, everyone, you know, knowing what the meta is and playing that that meta. You know, everyone, you know, all the winners have the same kinds of deck. It avoids that, um, and it also avoids, you know, it, it solves my personal problem of not not really being able to like understand certain aspects of my own deck and like being able to play, you know, or being able to look at a deck list and understand how that deck's supposed to be played and how to win with it. Um, and it kind of eliminates that by, you know, both you and your opponent open this thing up and you get two minutes to look at it or two minutes to look at each other's decks. And then it's, you just, you have to go for it. And, you know, I, 
I if it's a problem now, I don't know if it's a problem, but you know, some decks some decks are better than others. I don't think there's any that are necessarily terrible. I think there's probably some that aren't good. Um, but even you know, even if you get a bad deck, it does come down to how you play it. Um, just you know, make make the most of it and how you how you kind of play your opponent you know, mentally things like that you, know, you can there's still a bluffing aspect to the game so I, I feel like you're not totally at a loss like it if you're a good player um you know you might do all right especially maybe you know if they introduce a sealed that's a two out of three kind of thing i don't know or a sealed where you swap decks something like that some combination of that i would like where you're not you know you don't lose out because you have a kind of bad deck and just didn't draw right that one time but um I don't know. That's that's kind of why it's it's appealing to me. It's just I won't get stomped out by somebody that that is you know throwing more money at it and might not necessarily be better. Well, sealed but, adaptive would be. But uh, it's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah. idea for sure. There right. you go. Problem well, solved. The other, the other thing I was going to say about it, I uh, just remembered, was I I don't know how big of an issue it is now, if at all, um, as far as deck balancing goes by whatever you know Magic computer assembles all these decks, but it's only going to improve. So, you know, the next expansion, the next set, whatever, however, in whatever form it comes out, you know, these, these things are only going to improve. The decks are going to work better together. They'll probably work out the kinks where you get cards that call for, you know, humans when there's no humans in your deck or things like that. You know, I think those will get worked out and, and a sealed format will become even more appealing because there's no possibility of getting just a broken deck. It'll just be, you know, I don't know. And I don't know. I don't, you know, I... I like that idea for my own selfish reasons, but at the same time, you know, if everyone's deck can really compete with each other on a, on a perfect level playing field, well, what's the point? You know, I guess, you know, it does come down to your skill, but I, 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 I think there needs to be some variance. You know, you need to draw, you need to get bad decks and there needs to be good decks. Otherwise, you know, I don't, I don't think it'd be terribly fun, you know, having a, a completely level playing field. Yeah. For me, that's part of the fun is that the hunt for that perfect deck, like, you know, I've opened uh, probably 10 decks or so. I've purchased a few, I've sold, I've traded. Um, and, you know, you're just improving your overall collection and hunting for, you know, maybe two or three different styles of the perfect deck for you, I think is part of the fun. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to ask if I could put words in your mouth because you said the perfect deck. And I was thinking, you know, a, a better way to describe that is the perfect deck for you. Because it's, you know, everyone has different playing styles. Some people are starting from nothing. Some people are coming from, you know, like we were talking about. Some people come from magic or traditional card games where they, you know, their their instinct and maybe the way they win is by controlling that board and just kind of playing it, the playing the creature aspect of it. Um, other people may want to lean kind of into the weird, you know, actions and, you know, amber control and things like that. And it, you know, one, it sounds goofy to say, and, you know, it, it may or not may or may not be true. You know, there may be some some sort of you know way to rank these decks where one is truly objectively better than the other. But I don't know. I think a lot of times it's you know some my you know one man doesn't trash the ADHD man's reading do that. <laughs> um, I mean, not, no, no, it, I'm, no, I'm being sarcastic. Not definitively. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's not a bad. I don't know. It's it that's a hot topic. Yeah, right it now. is. <laughs> it's not a it's not a bad way to to kind of look at your deck. That's what I did. I had this pile of, you know, 12 decks in front of me and I ran each of them through it and took screenshots of it and like that's what got me to um actually my librarian hyphens uh that's what got me to um sleeve that one because it, it had like the 
the best rating out of all of them. It was just in the green on all of them. And it was, you know, it, it, it lets you. It's a decent indication for sure. It, it gives you an idea. It gives you a decent idea. You know, there, there may be a way, you know, there's that the algorithm might be able to figure it out. You know, they they might know what a really good deck is and a bad deck is, but it just, you know, unless you're a, a super genius, a card game savant, like your, your trash deck might be someone else's treasure deck. It, it just, it just may not click with the way that your brain works and the way you play, um, which I think is another really cool, interesting aspect of it. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's more to it than just getting, you know, getting the current made a deck. It's, you know, getting the best deck you can find that works with your play style. You know, you, and it goes with, you know, identifying combos too. You're, you might be able to, to play and discover certain combos that, you know, uh, uh, someone else who may own that same deck wouldn't, wouldn't be able to find. So it's, it's an interesting thing. It'll be really, really cool to see how it kind of plays out and especially how it evolves if they add any, you know, any new game mechanics or things like that, or new, you know, algorithms to producing decks, stuff like that. It's, it, it's a, it's a, a cool kind of wild west playing field that we're in right now. And I'm excited to watch where it goes. Um, as far as uh, on this list, I have a, you know, I have a little list of potential topics right here, and we wrote down formats. You know, we wrote down Reversal Sealed, Archon Adaptive. Uh, and there was one on here that I wanted to talk about. Um, I saw it on the Keyforge subreddit yesterday. Um, Rico Peck, I think is the guy's name on uh, our Keyforge game on Reddit. He said, a new fun game mode I came up with. It's called, and I'm going to butcher this name, Triumvirate, T-R-I-U-M-V-I-R-A-T-E, if you want to go find that thread. Um, it was an interesting idea that I haven't had a chance to play yet, um, but I would love to. It says, uh, hey guys, I love Keyforge and the different game modes they have. After some game nights with my friends, I came up with a new fun game mode. Um, and he, he specifies it's not meant to be balanced, but just for fun. But the, the, the kind of nature of it sounds like it would be balanced to an extent. He says, I call it Triumvirate, uh, and it works as follows. Each turn, you may use one card of each house you have. So in total, you will be using three cards per turn, one per house. So playing a card from your hand, uh, using a card on the board, or discarding a card counts as using that card from that house. Uh, and the first turn can only use one card like normal. He says he tested it. It's, it's quite fun. It unlocks some really interesting combos. Um, and it requires you to really kind of think thoroughly and plan accordingly, um, which it makes sense, you know, having to kind of Plant your you're playing one turn to actually do something on your next turn, um, way more so than normal. Uh, and I think it's a really interesting idea. You know, I don't think it would be anything that would be adopted by an LGS or anything. But um, I, you know, on that same note, I guess it is you know, like with Magic, it's it's the players who decide how how the formats work. Like, didn't didn't players come up with Commander and then Magic just kind of said, "Well, screw it, everyone's yep. doing it already." Yep, absolutely, same with draft and stuff. And it's, you know, Keyforge is already so wacky. I, I just compared something else to Wild West, but it's kind of like that, just this this unknown territory. Um, I could see something like this kind of gaining steam if it's fun to play, um, just because of the nature of how, you know, it's already like that to an extent. You pick one house and you play from that house and that's all. Um, I'm curious, you know, if he's elaborated on rules or anything like that um, as far as interactions with other houses, if you can... I don't, I don't know. I guess it all probably is self-explanatory if I just sat down and played it, but I don't know. I, I don't really have a question or any, anything to discuss about that. It just sounded like a really cool idea. 
did he mention like um like do you bring a deck to this or uh i i assume i think you would have to yeah yeah for sure um, i mean mars immediately almost goes away because mars is so interactive with the, with its own house things like mother gun or garbage um like half the cards in mars reference another mars card that you have to use or spot or see or whatever so um that's a good point i guess that's my point is like cards like full moon or hunting witch um become a lot less good and you'd probably need to look for cards that have synergies like cross synergies with other houses rather than synergies with its own house so you'd probably have to bring a deck to this yeah that's a good point mm-hmm. sure yeah it would not be a fun sealed, sealed yeah event. like too many of the decks would end up being like just really bad really awkward that actually may be a a major issue like because you said like the um the full moon but there's a ton of cards that you need a second card in house to do anything uh like I mean, mars is like my number one house so i'm thinking all the cards now that you mentioned it that just don't work here if they i have to ready another i ready another mars creature or i do something with mars creatures well then it's pointless because they can never be used after i ready it so yeah this would have to be a tweaked a very tweaked um format and then even then since the game wasn't designed around it it's probably going to be clunky without a whole bunch of uh, tweaking. You know, I, the, I, it just like popped into my mind. I love this idea, not necessarily because of the way it'll play, um, but because it gives you a reason to collect. Like it, it starts to pull in the, the kind of traditional, you know, not buying, you know, not buying boosters and stuff like that, but you, you would have a special deck for this, this game mode. You know, you wouldn't just have like, you know, here's my, you know, cause that's as it stands right now, you know, we as you know collectors and things like that we have a handful of keyforged decks and we cycle through the ones we like but they're all for the same thing they're all just you know the best decks that play the best in this you know archon format whatever but with this you know it's your best deck for archon whatever is not your same best deck mm-hmm. for triumvirate however he pronounces it yeah. yeah you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking that this format would actually be really fun with a bad deck because anyway, with a bad deck, you're going to be limited with the amount of plays that you can do in a turn. You're probably not going to have some bomb hands. So this might work with bad decks. And I don't know what you, if you, what you guys think about that. And as well, what do you guys think if this one actually, if instead of just being able to play three times a turn, or three cards a turn, one for house, if you could actually play four, and the fourth one is a random, you know, wild card. So you could actually still use some of those cards that call on another card of the same type and it, mm-hmm. it keeps it will keep it interesting at least for bad decks it would un yeah it would unbreak a lot yeah, of that would decks. actually help a lot you know it, it'd make sure many more decks would become usable that's a that's an interesting idea a nice variant to that yeah i thought that was interesting what you said about um needing to find different decks for different formats because as i was talking about earlier even the adaptive format might be a different deck than your arcan archon deck because if you know again my competitive side thinks if i'm going to an adaptive tournament i'm probably going to sift through my decks look for the deck that's really good but the most difficult one to play um so that when i play my first game i'm probably going to win with my deck if it's a really good deck but but slightly difficult to play and then when i give it to my opponent they won't know what to do with it 
and there's a good chance that I'll win that game as well, or there's a better chance that I'll win that game, I should say. So your adaptive deck could very well be different than your um, Archon. Over time, you're going to end up naturally collecting a bunch of decks anyway. If you're a casual player and you've been going to sealed five, six times, suddenly you've got a little bit of a collection already. And, you know, sealed is probably the best value proposition for an average player because you're paying 12 bucks and you're coming away with a bunch of promos in a deck. And a few decks later on, you've got enough to participate in all facets of the of the game. This is something I think are actually a good idea to cover because I see this as being an issue. Um, it's time limits because there's a handful of formats like the adaptive or anything that requires a best of three that the current like organized play time limit is 90 minutes. And that may be long for some players, but there are a lot of decks or just times where games will go longer. And because of that, uh, that limits when you can hold events or like people can be, can't be around as long because it takes a lot longer to run a full event. Um, so like I'm, I've been kind of searching for what sort of formats do people think are the best of like for best of one or for like that short time period. Cause when I, one of my regular meetups is on Tuesday night from at seven o'clock and they close at 10. So it's like a three hour gap and there's no way we could ever do anything else that doesn't, that involves more than one game. So besides sealed, if we don't have a product and besides Archon, which is you know a best of one Archon format, what other options are there? You know, I guess the only one they've ever really mentioned was reversal, but not everyone's going to do that either, especially if there's limited product. So, you know, what are our other options? Like, I think that's something that has to be considered with these, these formats. Um, unfortunately is this the time constraints. Like, and if you best of one doesn't work as well with pure Archon, I find best. Well, without the organized play system in place that they're going to be giving us, um, I think the Archon thing isn't going to take off quite as well until we have more more system in place for it. But like Sealed is fine. I mean, people love that. Um, one of the other formats that they mentioned um, in the organized play guide is Triad, which is you bring three decks, your opponent benches one of them, and then you have to win with the other two decks um, or something like that. Well, I was thinking just for the sake of time constraints, you bring two decks, your vote, your opponent benches one of them, and you play with one of the decks. So this way you can still get it done in one game. It involves a little bit more decision-making or choices beyond I just bring my best deck, you bring your best deck, or or whatever. I don't. I, as we've already discussed, there's so many options with this game or different formats you can play. And then as a result of that, reasons to have many different decks. Like, just my, my mind was spinning here, and I was thinking, well, you could have a format where you bring two different decks and both decks cannot share any houses or can only share one house. That would be interesting <laughs> when your opponents have to vote something out or you play with multiple decks or whatever um yeah it's just like i, I have helped organize a lot of the events around here so i'm tr constantly trying to figure out new formats or ways we can have formats available for certain time periods certain setups or whatever you know themed events might be kind of neat um and i don't i don't know how how strict the requirements would be requirements would be but even if it was just you know a single house you know your your deck has to be logos you know and it, it, I don't think you could get away with doing two because the chances of, you know, everybody being able to come and have two of the same house in the deck, you know, seems unlikely. But surely, you know, everyone's got a deck with, you know, logos in it or, you know, ev I, I assume maybe not. But I think that'd be a cool kind of format because then it it kind of breaks it away from the just, you know, you have your one OP deck unless you get lucky and it's your your house. But I, I that's something I'd like to participate in, you know, something that kind of cycles through and 
has has some requirements like that. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the most taboo keyforge subject of them all uh, constructed? Go play something else. <laughs> play with somebody <laughs> who's not going to tell anybody else that you played that format. <laughs> wow. Like that's, it's like, come play feet, come play Keyforge, but it's not Keyforge at all. <laughs> like that, that's the whole point of this game is that it's not constructed and that every deck is different. And, um, the discovery and like, it's just the complete opposite of, of the entire spirit of the game. Like, I don't know, like you, you look at these, like, double in the pent seed uh, library access key charge decks like just literally if you could build your own deck um like whoever wins the flip and goes second will just win every game <laughs> or not necessarily that's that's assume i don't know and i, I mean I i'm exactly i might be exaggerating a little bit but just the combos that are available are no. just stupid sure right well and you know i'll I'll put myself out there. I am excited about the thought of playing constructed um, for, for a number of reasons, you know, had this been a normal, you know, traditional card game with, you know, that's built around a constructed format, I would have liked it just as much. You know, I, what's appealing to me is that it's so new and I, I can get on the ground floor. I can learn with everyone else. I can learn the cards at the same pace as everyone else. I'm not just, you, you jump into magic and you just, you're a, you know, a small fish jumping into you know, the shark tank. Um, but, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm for a, you know, even if just an unofficial constructed format, I think it would always be unofficial, but you know, it's for one, I'll say this, um, and this isn't necessarily you guys, it's just to everybody, you know, some people are, you know, real elitist about it and are, are saying kind of what, whoever said it earlier about, you know, go play something else, but it, it, a million times more aggressive. I'll tell you guys to chill out. Um, cause people are going to play what they want. You know, it just like, just like formats, you know, they'll, People are people are going to come up with different ideas and they're going to test the boundaries of their game and they're going to see what's fun. And if people are enjoying themselves playing, you know, a constructive format, you know, just just screw off, like let them have fun, you know. And I I only say that because I've seen some people be so freaking mean at these, you know, new people coming to the community that are really excited about it and are just asking, you know, hey, what's what's the deal with a constructive format? Does anyone, you know, how does that work? Is there doesn't even have any feelings on that and they just get rushed you know ran right out they they get beat down and insulted and just bullied and it's kind of gross to watch happen you know especially on like the facebook yeah i think that's the nature of the internet in general right you you mentioned a taboo and you're gonna get people are just gonna be mean because they're mean on the internet for sure you know and last episode i you know i talked about we're we're lucky right now i'll just i'll say it and fast forward you know we we're lucky that this game is so brand new that we as the players get to dictate how it works. And a big part of that is how the community works. So right now, you know, it's not like magic where everyone's set in their ways and there's this level of kindness or lack thereof that's acceptable with Keyforge, you know, especially there's, you know, there's one Facebook group, there's one subreddit, like there's one discord. The, the, the community is not fragmented. We can kind of, you know, as, as a, as a whole take over those places and dictate, you know, how much, douchebaggery we're going to allow you know we we can we can really put we can shut that stuff down you know not for long we don't have long before it spirals out of control but we can kind of set the pace for how 
you know, how people set, interact set with each culture, other and how, right? the culture, out there, Nick. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping people kind of hear that message and, and do that. Yeah, the guy, Simon, that runs the, the Facebook group, he does such a good job of kind of shutting down any of that ag- aggressiveness and nonsense. And he goes and private messages people to make sure they're okay. And they're, you know, having fun. And I'm not, you know, I don't think everyone in this, in the community of snowflakes, snowflakes need to be treated like such, but you know, I guess to bring it all the way back around to the constructed thing, you know, if you don't like the idea of constructed and I totally understand why it's not lost on me, I'm not stupid. You know, it's a, it's a unique deck game. That's the point. But if you don't like the idea of constructed, don't play it. Don't talk about it. You know, don't just let it, let it be like there, you know, you don't gain anything. Nobody wins by you going out there and, and bashing somebody who wants to try constructed. Um, all you do is piss people off and make the community sour. And that's that. Um, but on the, like on the topic of constructed, I think I'm, you know, I intend to try it myself. Uh, I'm amassing all these decks. I'm going to, you know, shuffle them all together, the shitty ones that I don't like. And, you know, me and my buddy are going to try it out. You know, I'm sure we'll, record it all put it on youtube and like really give it a thorough you know a thorough trying um and one thing we've thought of as far as rules um to avoid anything too crazy is you'd have you can have one of each card you cannot have any duplicates um and i'm not sure yet what i think there'd have to be a ban list or and i don't know if it would spiral out of control a ban list and a um a list of cards that cannot exist together um, just, you know, have the kind of, you know, it'd be the way Yu-Gi-Oh has, you know, I forget how many, you have three, four of each card, something like that. Three. Um, I don't know, but then there's a list of limited cards, which you may only have two or one of, and then there's banned cards, which you may have zero of. It'd be something like that, but they'd be on a limited list where, um, or exclusive list, maybe you'd call it that, where you can, you know, you can't have any two cards on this list when it, it might just be. That's actually, that's actually what uh, FFG does that with a lot of their card games. They have a they call it a restricted list, and if you they're like say they're in this game, uh, bait and switch and key charge. If they're on the restricted list, you can only have one of those in your deck. So if you have bait and switch, you can't have key charge, etc. And that's what they've been using that for years because it's a kind of a straightforward, simple system that people can follow. It doesn't always work, but it's a good start. Right. Sure. And I, I think something like that would be just absolutely necessary for a game like Keyforge because so you know the cards are kind of broken if they're getting thrown together in the wrong way. But I don't know. I and it you know your opponent's deck would be just as broken, so the game would change pretty drastically in terms of speed and playing style. You know, it might end ten times faster. It might I don't know, but it you know you're just as you you have the exact same ability to you know make a broken deck along with you know half broken and half counters that stop your opponent's deck from being broken i think it would level out you know we'll find out but it's you know i you can you can burn me at the stake if you want for liking the idea of it um i'm i certainly won't say that i like the idea of it more than the way you know it exists now i like it because it's a unique deck game um but it's it's i'll put it this way you know for anyone that's real salty about it it's going to happen you know it's constructed it's going to be a thing and it's probably going to be a decently widely adapted thing you know people lots of people are probably going to play it and play it regularly and there's nothing you can do about it and you're only embarrassing yourself by getting upset about it publicly that's that's kind of what i'd say about it just and you know back like i was saying earlier just be cool just 
you know, if you don't like it, that's fine. You maybe explain jokingly why you don't like it. Don't, don't be sarcastic, but don't, don't start fights with people. Don't, you know, it's, you're not doing anyone any favors and you're certainly not doing the game any favors because it's in, you know, we, we can really use anyone, you know, people that want to play constructed are going to do you a favor. They're going to go buy decks, you know, FFG's numbers are going to go up. They're going to talk about it with their friends. Like it only serves, you know, to benefit you by the game becoming more and more popular. So just, you know, consider that as a silver lining and just let it be. Don't be nasty. Yeah, you know, I, I want to throw my two cents in there and actually add to what you're saying. Uh, Simon's a cool guy. You brought him up. Uh, he's the head of the Keyforge group on Facebook. He's very chill. I played a few games with him before. And, you know, he's got the right idea. And you got it, too. Look, this is a new game. We're a small community and we want to build it up. It's not going to help to trash talk. There is a huge difference between talking shit, which a lot of people tend to lean towards because it's the internet versus just, you know, making a joke about it. And we, we can't have a level of animosity that's going to stop people from participating and picking up this game and being curious about it, at least not so early, you know, in its infancy, because if we want the game to survive, we're going to have to work together to make it attractive, make it civil and throw in our suggestions because this game is going to change. FFG is obviously going to listen to us and take into consideration what the fan base is going to say and what they want in the future. It's Imagine 10 years from now, this is going to be a totally different game than what it is right now. Uh, sure, the basic principle of it will, will stand, but we're going to have formats we probably never even considered right now because of that evolution of the next decade. So you got to throw in your ten, two cents in there. You got to, if you have an, a cool idea for the game, explore it. Everybody should be talking about this game and, and discussing topics civilly and try to find what the best thing for the community would be for the game to expand it. And that's not going to happen when there's just trash talking. But uh, if you have a great, if you have a great argument, you don't need to resort to incivility. And absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely agree with, with both your your statements there when i say go play something something else i I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek uh the game the game obviously is going to get played in whatever way people want to play it and i think all the more power to you um i just think that the it's it'll it'll i just feel like it'll end up being really silly um and i might be wrong and you know what i'm hope i'm wrong i hope people try it and find out a way to you know put an algorithm on the algorithm to ban certain cards and whatever the case is um, and, and adapt your format so that you can, you can play constructed. But I just think there's so many powerful cards and the amount of capturing, right? Like you could probably build a deck that does nothing but capture just all creatures that capture. And then like, um you'll never be able to forge a key or somebody will forge a key on it'll the game will last three turns and it's going to take so this is just my opinion and again i hope i'm wrong but i think it's going to take so much um rule writing and banning and um you know whatever the case is fixing of the format to make even make it work that it, it may i think it may ne- may never get off the ground 
but you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I just, I just think that might end up being. Yo, know, guys, what do you think about this? And uh, you, with the constructive, I was thinking because as a potential expansion idea, I was thinking, what if they introduce a potential option where you have like a side deck, kind of like what they did in Yu-Gi-Oh. But what if with constructed, instead of selecting the individual cards, you can take, th- you know, three different houses, three different house decks from three different decks, and put them all together for one deck. Kind of like, you know, the triad, you know, where you bring three decks, but you could take a third of each one and put it together for that. And that would be a, a hybrid of constructed. And so you're saying you take 12, the 12 cards uh, that are Mars from one specific deck. Yeah. And then you pair that with 12 cards that are shadows from another specific deck with 12 cards that are discs oh. from a third yeah. specific deck. Yeah. So like your, your, your three triad decks, you just take the 12. Of, the, of each house you know from each one and you make that one deck out of it so it's like a hybrid of constructed and it's still the random generation of the house yeah that's interesting excellent it's actually almost like like almost like opening a booster pack and you know having to like each deck is a booster pack where you have to you have to take out yeah. one third of it to play with which is interesting that's a like archon alliance is probably what call it because it's these the archons are about, you know, working That's together, <laughs> trying to. Man, I'm like taking notes here. Just, like I've never done this. Like <laughs> taking notes on what we've talked about. It's like I want to explore this. I, I really do love that because it's a compromise. Like it's something that most everyone can agree on. You're not, you're not just, you know, building the most OP deck you can, but you're also you're kind of shedding like the real the downside to Keyforge is that like it's either good or it's bad. And if it's bad, then you're you know you sell it whatever you sit on it. Like it's, you're, it's not just a, you know, binary one or zero, whether it's good or bad. It's, you know, there you can, it's you, like you said, it's like buying boosters and it'll scratch that itch for people that want to play this kind of unique, different game. Don't want it to be broken with constructed, but also want to be able to scratch their itch of buying and collecting. Cause that's what I like doing. Like I like buying a deck just as much as I like playing it. Like it's, it's satisfying to me. You know, it's a, it scratches that gambling itch I have. Oh, sorry. I, I, I haven't had a chance to really throw in on this whole constructed thing. And I'm, I have all kinds of things to say now. Everyone's been talking like, like, like things that they've touched on and I haven't, uh, I haven't even thought about myself a bit. Um, so if, I, I don't want to interrupt you if you're going somewhere with your... No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so first off, like as far as my own thoughts on it, um, I ex- when the game was announced, I expected Constructed to happen at some point in the future based on the way the game was made. Not that I myself was intended on playing it. I just expect people to do that because... It's no different than opening a booster pack. Ultimately, and that you have random cards, you don't know what you're going to get. And some people are going to want to try cards with other cards, whether they have the deck or not. They're not going to go search for it. It may be impossible to do so. So, some <clears throat> the counter to that people like to bring up is the game wasn't intended to be that way. Well, so many games that have been created, they're not necessarily always played the way they're intended, and in fact, they become a new game or a new format. The best example for this is Magic: The Gathering. First off, when the game was created with a rarity system in place richard garfield didn't expect people to go out and try to find all these different cards to make these crazy decks and um i think there also wasn't a limit on cards i don't remember exactly i know netrunner didn't have a limit anyways people started actually doing that and searching out cards and and playing full play sets of black lotuses and that crazy stuff to where it kind of broke the game and he realized some of the issues with the design process and with the game's original intent so just because a game was designed with a certain intent in place doesn't mean it has to be played that way forever. Um, like draft wasn't really the case as far as a, an intended format. Commander wasn't the case as far as the intended format. And commander they created their own rules to make commander work by having a 
out of play zone for your commander that wasn't part of the game that players can do that. And they have done that, especially in collectible card games, collectible card games really need various formats to succeed and survive because some players just don't want to play constructed in, in card games or whatever. So having these other options really help open that up as far as, um, banned cards. That's, I think that's, or restricted cards that's going to happen. And, and if you think about other constructed card games, there is usually an absurd number of cards banned or restricted over time because as the card pool grows, you end up getting degenerate combos you didn't expect to have happen. So it's no different than that. It's not really a big deal. If you, and you'll have some cards that are underplayed, and that's also the same case with customizable card games. That's not really a major issue here. And, and again, you don't have to play the game this way, but if you were looking into trying a constructed format, those are things to consider. Also, um, for me, constructed wouldn't be much different than going out and buying hundreds of boxes looking for the perfect deck because it's the same sort of thing. You're either trying to find the, that combination of cards in a deck, and sure, that may be fun, or you could just put the deck together yourself. No, It's no different. Ultimately, you're trying to get those cards combined together in a deck a certain way. Um, the difference is that you can control it if it was constructed versus I just hope that the algorithm put something together for me that I, I, I want to work. Um, so it's not terribly different. But like the last thing we just touched on, though, I think with the, uh, the uh, let's call it that, alliance format where you mix one house from each from three different decks. Um, that actually was kind of a system that FFG tried with the Star Wars LCG. Uh, the way that deck building worked in that game, you had a pod of cards. Um, it was the objectives. Your, the way you won that game was to complete objectives that your, your opponent had, or, or rather defeat them. Um, each objective came with, I think, six cards. You had to put all six of those cards in your deck. The idea was is that you, know, you could have some underpowered cards with overpowered cards. It didn't quite play out that perfectly because there was some issues with certain cards just being that good or some things just didn't balance out right, whatever the case was. Well, this idea of mixing Archons is just like that pod idea where I have to play all 12 of these cards no matter what's in, in that deck. So, like, I have to take the, I don't know, what's the, an example of a bad card from, you know, in a house that's just not that great. Sacrificial Altar. I have to take the Sacrificial Altar to get the gateway to Dis or whatever in this Dis set. Um, which would be very interesting and also would give people another reason to collect more decks because, hey, I'm looking for this house combination or this particular house to have some of these cards that I would want to then try out with another deck or whatever. I think it could work. And since we're forced to use opaque sleeves anyways in organized play, what's the difference? Yeah, we all have that deck with like that perfect, perfect combination of Shadows cards and then a garbage Brobnar package that <laughs> just makes the deck brutal right like all of these loot the bodies and um war uh war chests or whatever and like two brobnar creatures um but the shadows package is so good you know and it's like well this deck is probably not very good because you know the the brobnar stuff is all just discards or whatever the case um, so that does make those, it gives value to those decks, right? 100%. Yeah. I have a whole stack of stinkers that have a house that's just so beautiful, so perfect, and better than my best deck. And there's just no way I'm playing that deck because it's just not going to work. There's zero, there's minus 10 synergy. <laughs> yeah. The uh, deck I brought to reversal this week, the Untamed is incredible. Sanctum is not bad, and Brobnar is trash. 
but the Untamed has like um, Key Charge, Mimicry, Kindred, Longshot, Mighty Tiger, and two Niflapes and Niffle Queen. It's got some good stuff in it, but then everything else is just bad. <laughs> you really don't want to have to use the other stuff while playing this deck. So that would be kind of neat. Then it's like, all right, well, this deck is junk. Other than reversal, I have nothing else to do with it. So let's just pull out a house and throw it in something else and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that could be a a really interesting and like a very possible, uh, you know, a, adapted format um, that could actually you know gain some traction because it, I think it really satisfies everybody. Um, I don't think the people that would be so aggressively against a constructed format would have those same complaints about this because it allows the algorithm to create decks and it also you know they've had the exact same complaints we do where you pull a deck and you know one of those houses plays really well in the deck and then another one is just an inconvenience to you and it's you know ends up just filling up your hand and it's just garbage uh they you know they recognize those same things so i think i think it's a nice middle ground uh and for a game like this i i wouldn't be surprised if if this you know the format potential format we're discussing right now becomes a real thing and a like a a common you know, a possible thing. And let's just, you know, let's plant this flag in the ground right now. Um, you know, library access, <laughs> the keyforge.com, uh, you're welcome. This community. new Alliance format. You were all um, present for it. <laughs> that's right. I will, I will say though, now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, think how fun this would right. be. I think it would still have to have some rules. It couldn't be just that because I have, I think, I don't know, 12 or 15 decks right now. I definitely have a deck that has Key Charge and Nepenthe Seed. I definitely have a different deck that has Library Access and Phase Shift. And I don't have that many decks. Is that not something that occurs in the wild? Yes, but in like 0.02% of decks. And those decks are like ridiculous. Um, And I think that it just becomes way too easy to put those broken combinations together well that brings that brings up either a possible another point or two so first off if that i mean i'm sure they don't exist very much but maybe there's an issue with maybe uh some design issues rather where certain combinations of cards are just like insanely busted even if it is one out of 100 decks or whatever the fact that it happens and then somebody has to deal with it in an event or something could be very frustrating but when it comes to for this concept of combining houses that's where that restricted format comes into place if you if your one house build has key key charge and the other or not key charge nepenthe seed and then the other house for logos has um a library access you can't put them in the same deck like it's one or the other you can't choose both and it's a really easy list to make you know just a handful of cards to start and see where it goes from there if if necessary um i and i just thought of this though i'm not sure how well this would work a sealed alliance where you open three decks and you then have to choose the best houses out of the three. But the problem is you could somehow only get like what, what happens if all three of your deck? Oh, I guess that works. All three of your decks have the same three houses, but it doesn't matter. You you still only picks one. So I I guess that would work out, but that could be fun. Yeah. Or you just apply the, apply the, um, adaptive format to whatever you choose. You apply the adaptive format and then that ends up, you know, even if you do end up with your, Nepenthe library access combo, um, you can still, you still end up having to play against it in round two, and you still have it to end up bidding thirty chains to take it round three. What I see being a more realistic possibility than 
buying three decks, um, I think you'd have a hard time getting people to come pony up $30, maybe not, um, is a, a draft style. You know, everyone throws in a couple bucks, you know, 10 bucks each, whatever. And then you've got, you know, 10, 15 decks sitting there. And then you, you know, you separate them all into the houses. You have, a, you look at the house list, things like that. And then you, you know, you draft, you go in a circle and you pull that, the house you want um, like that. And then you kind of build it right there. I, I could see that being a thing. Um, I also, this is totally wishful thinking. It will not happen. Um, if uh, FFG would sell, uh, you know, boosters, quote unquote, of just single houses. You know, if this were a, a format that actually gained traction, that that could be interesting. You know, not having to buy a full deck. I guess it'd be no different, but. I almost kind of wonder what this game would have been like if they would initially just release it that way, where you you buy a house pack and you had to play all those cards together. So it allows a tiny bit of customization while still requiring you to just play with what you get. It was a it was a big gamble, you know. I'm sure they did their their market research. I'm sure they knew, and you know, um, you know, all, all the people behind it are are obviously super talented guys. But it, it seemed like it was a a giant gamble uh, to release this card game where you don't get to build a deck. You know, I I could have seen I could have seen a a scenario like a reality where it just tanked. It just did horribly because nobody, you know, nobody liked the idea and, you know, they're, they're lucky that it gained the traction it did and it had, you know, Garfield behind it and things like that. Um, but if you think about it, if you separate yourself from it and, you know, forget that you've had so much fun playing it, the idea, you know, here's a card game where you don't get to collect cards. You know, you don't assemble a deck. You just, you buy a deck and then you play it. Like it sounds really sterile and, you know, I, I'm surprised it did so well. Maybe, maybe that's just me, but I, you know, we've, we've grown so accustomed to building a deck and I still like, even though I'm playing this game, you know, there, I'll, I'll answer the first question I asked. Um, the hardest parts of getting used to Keyforge. That's been it for me is not being able to build a deck, like, you know, wanting to, to kind of customize it and, you know, seeing combos and not wanting to go either hope I pull it or spending $30 on eBay or Facebook or whatever to buy a deck that has that combo and, you know, wanting to build it myself. I think that's been my, the thing I've been trying to get used to the most. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm worried about, I'm worried about this idea of the single booster of the house, uh, being a thing. I think that would probably break the principle of the game. Uh, I think the constructed idea or the Alliance idea is, is really cool because if you, re- if you want to play that, you're going to have to plop down 30 bucks, right? like a sealed adaptive alliance. And it's just, it's a very particular and specific part of the game that probably won't take off too much. You know, it's not going to become the majority, right? You're not going to find 75% of all the players are going to want to play that for. I could be wrong, but I, I just don't feel that way, especially because it's a unique deck game. It, it'll be, it'll be a small thing and it won't break the game in the principle of it. Because at the end of the day, if Keyforge suddenly be- is no longer a unique deck game and has a, a level of customization to the point of where you could buy the single house. Like, okay, you could buy the deck in the box. Great. You bought the deck in the box and you can play all the formats with that deck. But when you're buying the single house, just because you, you know, okay, well this deck sucks. Well, this deck sucks. Then it's just, it, it defeats the idea of why it was created. Yeah. It becomes something else altogether. I mean, I don't think you could add boosters in now. I think that would like if they would have designed it with that intent, 
and, and I already already have it set up set up in a booster s- system, but now you couldn't do it because it would definitely break the game system as is. Right to to do something like that would be a complete pivot, which you know I I don't think it'll happen. It's something that could happen. You know, if they realize like, hey, we're not doing so well with you know just this unique deck format, this would possibly bring more people in. I could see them making a pivot, but if they were to do that, if they were to you know sell boosters of houses. That would be, you know, that would be the entire game pivoting to like alliances. How this game works now, I guess. To kind of to um, continue on with the point that you mentioned about like FFG making this sort of big gamble, it's kind of interesting to kind of look at why they did that. Why did they make this gamble? What was going on in the gaming industry or market to allow them to do this or think this would be a good idea? I mean, I think first off, just with collectible card games have been taking some big hits or people stop playing them. They get fed up with trying to keep up with formats, keep up with the cost of them, um, or the car is not being very useful or valuable, or just even to build a playable deck or worthwhile deck could take a decent amount of money. And in this game, it just takes 10 bucks. Um, that's probably one of their first points. But I could also see, because of the popularity of legacy games in the board game industry where you get a game, you play through a series of events in that game and then you make permanent changes to the game where you can't go back and and play it from the start again, because you've already permanently changed the board Um, between that. And then the popularity of collectible card games, the maybe loot crate system, DLC, that sort of stuff, combining all those uh, fads or interests in the industries maybe that's what makes this game work is that the people out there, they don't mind playing a game where they may not be able to change it. They can't customize it. Or it's maybe only has a short live, like your one deck you buy, you pl- you play it at a sealed event or whatever. And then you play it a handful of times, with your, your friends, you get bored with it. And you go buy another deck. Like They don't mind doing that because they've been doing it with all these other games that exist currently on the market. So it's just interesting. Like why did they make this decision? And why is it currently succeeding? Now, whether it lasts for for a long time, we don't. That remains to be seen, and I hope it does. But, but at right at the moment, it's succeeding quite well. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, only time will tell. Uh, and will I think the fact that it, it can't stay on the shelves right now is pretty telling in itself. You know, granted, it's it's a kind of a different thing. You know, they're not mass producing these boosters at random. It's it's each each store gets a box, two boxes of whatever comes with 12 decks each something like that so it is it's not quite the same you know metric to to boosters of a new game but it's the still the fact exists that the cards can't stay on the shelves you know they they sell out you know not even the day they get there but in the next couple hours after you know typically i guess barnes and nobles keeps a different decent stock but you know if you go to your lgs and it's you, they get them in the morning and they're gone mid-afternoon so that's that's been my experience at least. Yeah. So it's that's that's got to be telling to an extent. Uh, if it'll keep up, is anyone's guess. Um, but I I think, you know, if if something like this kind of these alternate formats formats not necessarily constructed but like an alliance thing, because I if that were to pick up, I think it would it would drag in the the rest of the potential players that are on the fence. Because I've got no doubt in my mind that there are people who have heard about Keyforge and are interested in it, but won't play it because they can't customize their deck. And I don't blame them. I, I love that aspect of card games. So if, if something like that were to be, you know, even moderately widely adapted, uh, yeah, I, I think Considered, that... Yeah. 
Oh, and that, that question that was brought up about paying $30 for an event. Magic pre-releases cost 30 bucks to get six booster packs, a die or whatever, and you play in a, in a tournament with it. And they sell like tons of entries of those. I mean, that's a very popular event style, and both for competitive players and for people just starting or, or very casual players. Like I, I, I go to pre-releases semi-regularly. I know I've played against people who just aren't playing the game. I've played against people who've been playing it for years. And it's like it's a thirty buck entry, and you do it once every few months. No one minds doing it. It's fun. You so in an event where you go spend thirty bucks get three decks. I don't think it would have any issues whatsoever selling. It's just right now we got to get the game or the community growing to be able to have all these different ways to play. Because you can still do the go in buy three decks with the current system using the um the deck the one where your opponent benches a deck and you play two out of three or whatever. Um, you can still do that that format as is, but if the Alliance, the Alliance thing was just another option. So, and I definitely think people will do it or people will have no problem doing that. If it's only like once every few months or something. Yeah, definitely. Um, it looks like we are at, you know, almost two hours, an hour 45, um, 45 minutes longer than I thought we'd go. So I, I think now's a good time to wrap it up. Um, and then on a decent, interesting note. Um, anyway, thanks for hanging out. You guys, uh, this was episode one, which is kind of the second episode. If you haven't heard the first one, it's episode zero. You can find it on anchor.fm. Uh, the show is called Library Access. Um, you can also find it on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash thekeyforge. Uh, that channel will actually be home to several Keyforge podcasts. We're going to start up another one or two. Um, maybe this this one's kind of a round table. The others will be maybe more news-centered or you know, gameplay center and something like that. They'll, they'll have a, a particular focus. There'll also be gameplay videos, unboxings, things like that on that channel. And if you haven't already, check out thekeyforge.com. Um, actually, give a shout out to, you know, the competition. You go to thekeyforge.com slash podcasts uh, and you'll see our show as well as the other ones that are on there. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with shouting out the other shows because there's, you know, they're, they're, everyone out there is hungry for Keyforge content. So after you listen to this episode... That's right, yeah. After you listen to this episode, you can go you know, go find it there. But anyway, thanks for hanging out, and uh, we will see you next week. <laughs>